the handout. Uh, I think Ryan was passing them out. If you don't have one, there should be some in the back. But it would probably be helpful for you to have one. So this morning we are talking about discipling in the local church. So we've kind of spent the first few weeks kind of going over uh, just an overview of discipling, like why we should do it, where we should do it, uh, how we should do it, just, just kind of the more theoretical aspects behind that, kind of answering the big questions. Um, we've kind of seen that, we've kind of defined what discipling is. You know, discipling is the action word. And so it's uh, forming relationships with people for their spiritual good. And so we're, we're, when we're talking about discipling in this course, we're mostly talking about like one-on-one discipling with, uh, with each other. And so one-on-one relationships, spending time just uh, in biblical study, uh, encouraging each other, mutual edification, you know, just, just for someone's spiritual good. So why do we do it? We've talked about why we disciple. We disciple because Christ called us to do it, right? So before he ascended into heaven, one of the last commands he gave his disciples, his followers, was to go into the world and tell others about him, about what he had done. And so discipling is one of the main ways uh, that we do that. And so really, discipling is simply being obedient to Christ. It's being obedient to our master, to our savior. Uh, It's for others' good. It's for our joy. It's for God's glory, and it's for the spread of his kingdom. So it's kingdom work, and we're all called to do it. So it's not just preachers, uh, teachers in the church, leaders in the church. It's, it's for all Christians uh, everywhere. We're all called to do that. So a few weeks ago, we talked about the various kind of barriers or excuses that we might use for not discipling. There's a lot of those that would pop up in our lives. Maybe we're too busy. We just don't have enough knowledge. Uh, We don't know how to get started. So we've talked about those and maybe how we can overcome those. And we've shown how scripture shows us that we can overcome those. Uh, You know, we've, we've talked about like how the grand object of this work, the big goal is, is to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ to grow in holiness. And so that's something that we want to see. We want to see greater obedience to God's revealed will. So, This morning, we're just going to kind of go through a few more of these broad questions. And then next week, I think we're going to start getting more into the practical uh, nuts and bolts of of discipling, kind of the the ground level. So we're still kind of looking at an overview right now. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at what the best, best venue is for establishing these relationships. So what's the best vehicle for establishing these relationships? And then we're going to just briefly look at how we can get started in this. So this morning we're going to kind of assert that based on the pattern of Scripture, based on what we see in Scripture, uh, the primary venue for our discipling relationships should be the local church. Okay? So that's where we're at right now, right? That Christ Community Church, which isn't necessarily a building, a body of believers is what we're talking about. So... The first week we spoke about this, I talked about how it would be extremely difficult to enter into discipleship relationships apart from the local church. So if you're not a part of a local church, this would be a really difficult thing to do. And 
I'm sure that all of you have heard people, maybe friends, family, uh, tell you that, yeah, I'm a Christian, I believe in God, I believe in, in Christ and what he did, but I just really don't, I don't do the church thing. Uh, and that kind of makes me shudder. I mean, that's a, that's a difficult situation to be in. And so we never want to be that way. And we want to encourage others to not be that way. So we're saying that the primary vehicle, the primary venue for discipling relationships is the local church. But what we're not saying, I don't want to, to say that it's wrong to be a part of relationships outside the local church. Okay? There's nothing in Scripture that prohibits us from doing that. In fact, I think it's a really good thing. Uh, and we do want to encourage those types of relationships here at Christ Community Church. We want uh, everyone to go out into their workplaces, into their homes, families, uh, school, uh, wherever it may be, and form relationships with people who aren't a part of this church and spend time with them. I mean, that's, that's a great thing. But what we, what we are saying is that kind of the primary place that we do discipling is in within the local church, and uh, we feel like Scripture points that out, and we're going to go through that uh, this morning. So, um, again, you know, it's okay to have those relationships outside of church. In fact, early on in my my faith, uh, I was discipled by a a work colleague who who spent a lot of time with me, and if it wasn't for that person and the the time he invested in me, uh, I, I would not have grown as much as I did at that point in my life. And so it was really valuable for me. And so I, I'm not uh, talking against that. But uh, we're going to go through some reasons why uh, we see that within the local church, that's kind of the primary venue where we want to get started in this. So I'm going to give you, and you have the, in your handout, we've got ten reasons uh to disciple in the context of the local church. So we're just going to go through those 10 reasons here. Uh, There's going to be some scripture that we're going to use, and so don't feel like you have to uh, flip back and forth, um, but do write it down, kind of the scripture that we're using, and then you can go back through this week and just spend some time looking at that scripture, kind of looking at these concepts, praying through that, and I think that'll be helpful for us in our study. Um, If you haven't been able to be here for all the studies, they're on the realm. So if you've missed something, uh, you can go back. I think that they're all available through the website. If you go to resources, uh, and I believe is it under sermons or, yeah, if you go to resources under sermons, you can find uh, all of these studies. So it'll be helpful for us. And the handouts as well, I believe, are on the realm. So, uh, all right. So reason number one that that, uh, God has called us to disciple within the local church is because God has called the church to be pure, all right? So we read in Titus 2.14 that a part of the reason Jesus came into the world was to call and create a pure people for himself known as the church, so to create a people who were set apart. Paul writes in Titus 2.11-14 that, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and, and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are jealous, who are zealous for good works. So, one way we help each other grow in the knowledge and holiness as Christians is through these personal 
discipling relationships. Uh, this is a great part of what Jesus came to do in the world. So when we encourage each other and, and engage in these types of relationships uh, within the church, we enhance the corporate witness of the church as a whole. So as we uh, begin to participate in these relationships, the, the point is for us to grow in holiness. And as we do that, as we're encouraging each other, as we're edifying each other through these relationships, the witness of the church is going to grow. So the witness of the local church will grow, the witness of Christ Community Church, and then the witness of the church as, as a whole, as universal, as people see that being played out in your life. So, so the church is called by God to be pure, and discipleship is one of the ways that we do that. And that's a picture of what we want to see here at Christ Community Church. That's something that we're striving after as a body of believers. Reason number two, because you don't have every spiritual gift. So if you think back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where it talks about uh, these spiritual gifts, it talks about how we are given, when we become Christians, the Holy Spirit invades our life and, and gives us spiritual gifts. But those spiritual gifts aren't all the same. We're, we don't all have all the same spiritual gifts. And they're given to us according to the will of God, our Father. So, discipling within the church is really valuable because it can, we can balance out our weaknesses, areas where we lack certain gifts or, or areas where we lack uh, certain spiritual knowledge. So, we have kind of spiritual blind spots, if you will, that can kind of limit us in ways. So if we're the only one discipling someone and we're not doing it within the context of the church, there's things that we could miss out on. But within this church, we kind of have this relational mix that helps balance each each other out. So some of us might hesitate to engage in discipling because maybe we're just a little more timid. Uh, Some may be hesitant to engage because you might feel inadequate in certain skills or certain knowledge. But that's okay because God knows that you're not sufficient for this great task all by yourself. In his kindness, he's given us the church, and the church is sufficient for the work he intends to give her. So it's meant to work as one organism, right? So the church is made up of different parts, different people, and we kind of have this picture in Scripture that we're we're the different body parts, but we all work together. Uh, as one body, all right? So, God hasn't promised us every gift to need to, that we need to encourage and build up others, but he has given that promise to the church as a whole. And so you don't have everything that you need to disciple someone all by yourself, so the people that we're discipling need the church, all right? So reason number three. The church provides for greater accountability. You know, in the church, we have this network of relationships. And within that, people know us in slightly different ways, from slightly different perspectives, right? And so we, we can think of it as this kind of inner web of relationships, and it kind of provides a spiritual safety net for us, if you will. This is an area where we can serve each other in hard times as a community, as a group, uh, just a lot more than, a lot more effectively 
than single relationships can do alone. So some of us are better encouragers. Some of us are better at uh, dispensing wisdom. And all of us have been through different trials in our life, various trials. And so when someone walks through a difficulty in their life, when they're going through a, a trial in their life, there's probably someone in the church body who's been through something similar that can relate to that trial. And so as a group, as a body of believers, we're much more effective in discipling people. So we also need to realize that the church exists in part for increased accountability. All right? So the church is structured not only with the love of Christ, but also his corrective authority, which really is his love as well. Matthew 18 talks about church discipline. It talks about how we uh, act when someone is in uh, is not repentant of their sin, so they're engaged in a sin. They're not turning away from that sin. And the church is called to go after those people. We don't just let them drift down this path. We don't just cut them loose and, and, and let them go down this path of destruction. We chase after them. And, and the way we do that is through church discipline. And so that, we're here to rescue each other from sin. We're, we're here to pull each other from the brink. So the thing we need to think about is a group of people, a community of believers, can know a person so much better than one person can alone. So if you just meet with somebody maybe once every few weeks, maybe over coffee, to discuss uh, scripture, there's limitations to that on how much you can know that person's life. It would be pretty easy for them to kind of hide things from you. Uh, Maybe it would be easy for you to miss things in their lives. Uh, But in the context of the church community, there's a much better chance that that mix of relationships can provide more depth and insight uh, and result in better accountability and protection for that person. So we're called to hold each other accountable in the church. We can do that much better as a church and a body of believers. So that's uh, reason number three. Reason number four, because you have a limited amount of time, right? I mean, we all only get 24 hours in a day, and uh, it can be limiting for sure. Ephesians chapter 5, 15 through 17 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but wise, making the best use of, this, of the time because the days are evil. So we only get 24 hours, and I know a lot of you in here feel a whole lot of pressure to get everything you need to get done within that 24 hours. Uh, Many of you have families, you have uh, multiple kids, you have grocery shopping to do, you have work, you have to make a living for your family, you have uh, obligations with maybe grandkids or with parents who need help uh, or with kids who still need a lot of help. And so it can be absolutely overwhelming. Uh, And so we want to think about some of the ways that being involved in a church community, being involved uh, in the ministry of a church, can really help expand and help you overcome some of these obstacles. So we've talked about previously how you can use our regular teaching times, you know, that we have on Sunday mornings. So uh, the time we spend on 
on other Sundays going through our, our uh, scripture throughout the week. Uh, the time we spend, Jared spends uh, giving us teaching. Uh, all of those things we can kind of help leverage. So we can use those things to disciple with. So you don't have to always go out and, and form your own uh, Bible study, okay, from scratch. There's resources out there to help us, and we want to provide those resources through the church uh, so that you can better leverage your time because time is limited, and we do have to think practically about that. So we often don't have time to spend eight hours forming a Bible study for our, you know, one-hour discipling uh, with our with our friend. So time is limited, and, and the church can help provide resources to help you overcome that. Reason number five, because God is glorified as the body grows together. So individualistic Christianity is an oxymoron, right? We are never meant to live the Christian life alone. We're made to live in community. So if, you, if that sounds bad to you, like living in community, living with people, dealing with people, then heaven's probably not going to be a very good place for you. Because that's, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be living in community for eternity. Um, so if you feel that you're growing in maturity as a Christian, but you really are just doing it alone, isolated, and you're kind of ignoring everyone around you, I really want to challenge you as to how mature you really are. All right, Because we, we are intended, we are built, we are made to live in community. So God intends for us to glorify him primarily through our life together as a church. And so we want to grow together toward him uh, as we move forward. So whether you like it or not, you live in the context of community. Your life is meant to be tethered to others. So my kids, my girls, and and Wyatt, they, they just keep growing. You know, I can't stop them. But it's pretty cool to watch them grow. But if they... If just one part of their body grew and the rest of their body didn't, it would be a little disturbing. So like if their feet grew, uh, but their torso and their legs didn't grow, they'd start to look like hobbits pretty quickly, and it would be a little strange. Same thing for the church. Uh, We want to grow together uh, proportionately. And in order to do that, we have to invest in each other. So as you grow... You want for that to spill over into others' lives, okay? And as they grow, you want it to spill over into your life. We want to grow with each other. God intends for us to mature together as a community, and he intends for us to grow together in Christ-likeness. So that's reason number five, that we're intended to grow together. Reason number six, because building up the church is what you were gifted to do. It's what you were made for in many ways. The gifts that God has given you were intended to bless God's kingdom and God's people. Uh, but it's especially meant to bless the local church. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7 says this, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So it's for the common good. It's not just for our own edification. It's for the common good. 
for likewise, 1 Corinthians 4, uh, 14, 12, Paul tells us, So with yourself, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in the building up of the church. So Paul calls for us to strive to build up the church with our gifts. So there's a lot of debate amongst evangelicals about how to exactly think about these gifts that we're given, these spiritual gifts. Uh, But a a lot of the debate doesn't center around the purpose of these gifts. And I think we can all agree that the purpose of these gifts is not for our personal fulfillment, but for the building up of the church. So we are given gifts to build up the church. We are made for this. We are created for this. And uh, that's reason number six. Reason number seven. Because discipling is a primary way to show love for Christ and for his church. So if we're looking for a way to show love to God's church, if you're thankful, if you have gratitude for the way God has used his church in your own life, and if you think back on your life as a Christian, I guarantee you, uh, for everyone that's here, the church has made a, a, a significant impact in your life. And so we should all come here with great gratitude towards the church. We often like to beat up the church in the United States sometimes, and, and I, you know, I'm guilty of that too. But uh, the church is Christ's bride, and we should love her. And, and she has uh, given us so many good gifts. And so out of gratitude, we should want to serve the church. And serving the church is serving each other. It's serving the people in the church. And so we do this out of gratitude and not obligation. Uh, let's consider 1 John chapter 4, 19 through 21. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. So that's pretty strong language there. You know, if you don't love your brother and you say you love God, then you're a liar. That's what Scripture's telling us. So we are called to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. We do that within the context of the church. Uh, And this is how we can demonstrate our love towards God, towards Christ, towards our Savior. So a love for Christ and a love for his people are closely intertwined. They're intermixed. You can't really separate those. So discipling within the context of the local church is a way to demonstrate that love for the Lord. So that's reason number seven. Reason number eight, because church-based discipling seems to be the assumption of the New Testament. All right, so when we read through Scripture, we see that this is kind of the assumption. All right, so let's consider Hebrews uh, chapter 10, 23 through 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So when the author of Hebrews here uh, is telling us to consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds, His very next thought is that we should not give up meeting together. So he's tying those two things together, that we should be meeting regularly together, spending time with each other, uh, and through that, 
That's how we're going to spur one another along to love and good deeds. That's how we're going to spur one another along to increased holiness. So virtually every epistle in the New Testament was written to a specific local church. And it was written to helping encourage mutual spiritual growth. First and second Corinthians were written to the Corinthians, to the Christians in Corinth, uh, to discourage uh, factions that had formed among the members. Uh, it was written to encourage purity, uh, to exhort them to conduct orderly worship, and to clarify the importance of Christ's resurrection. Galatians, if you think back uh, to that book that we studied uh, a few years ago, uh, Galatians was written to help believers from Galatia fight legalism and live life uh, by faith together to unify them through faith. The pastoral letters were written to Timothy and Titus to help them better teach and encourage believing Christians in the context of local churches in Crete and Ephesus. So each epistle assumes that discipleship and growth takes place within the context of a local church. So scripture throughout the New Testament, we see this pattern taking place. Reason number nine. Because church-based discipling displays unity in the midst of diversity. So we are called in the local church to live in unity in the midst of diversity. In his book, The Disciple-Making Church, uh, Bill Hull makes the point that it's fairly easy to form parachurch discipling ministries of similar people with similar interests. So within the church, we oftentimes will see uh, groups that are for a certain subgroup of people. So maybe it's for people with kids of a certain age. Maybe it's for people who are, are newly married. Maybe it's for people who are single. Uh, maybe it's for people who are grandparents. And so uh, oftentimes we see that kind of subgrouping within churches. Um, but that doesn't seem to be real scriptural. And so we think here at Cross Community Church that there is a big advantage to having diversity. Uh, within our groups, within our church. And so that's something that we want to strive for. And that's why, like in our home groups, uh, you'll find people of all different ages from all different stages in life. Um, and that's why we change our groups up every two years, because we don't want to form little factions or little cliques uh, within our body. We think that diversity uh, is a beautiful thing, but we want to be unified in the midst of that. And And the one thing that unifies us within the church, <clears throat> is the gospel. And so when the world sees that, when they see people from all different backgrounds, uh, different ages, different stages in life, different socioeconomic groups, when they, when they see people like that who really shouldn't be doing life together, when they see them doing life, when they see us doing life together, the, ch- the, the world is going to take notice of that. And, and that's when we're able to witness to what, Uh, binds us together, which is the gospel. So that's a beautiful thing. So I want us to purposely think about how many of our friends are similar to us around the same age, same interests, same lifestyle, same hobbies, same life stage. I mean, those are the people who it's easy to be friends with, right? I mean, that's something that outside of the church, that's what you're going to see. I mean, that's that's what we're drawn to. But within the church, we should see relationships cultivated uh, that are more diverse than that. And so we want to strive after that here at Cross Community Church. 
Uh, reason number 10. Uh, because the church is most healthy when it has a whole culture of discipling. So we want to cultivate a culture of discipling at Christ Community Church. We don't want it to necessarily always be a program, uh, something that's real structured, but more of a culture. All right? So it seems that in a local church body, the nature of discipling relationships should be more organic. Uh, So intentional, but not necessarily structured. Deliberate, but not clearly defined. And so that's what we're striving after. So we, we want to encourage that here. Uh, we want a loving network of relationships where it is normal for members of Christ Community Church to set out to do spiritual good for one another, where people don't need to sign up for anything or be recruited or get permission before they establish these relationships, where members just understand that it's good for them to meet for lunch or coffee or breakfast and talk about spiritual things, where mutual encouragement is seen as normal and a basic part of ministry within the church, where accountability and transparency are a part of our everyday lives within the church. That's what we want to encourage here, and uh, we hope that God will help us do that. We hope that God will help us all be a part of that and uh, help us sustain that and and grow our culture. So, how are we going to grow that culture? How are we going to sustain that culture? I think that we have to model it for each other. I think that we have to be careful not to create structural barriers that could inhibit it and that we want to encourage individuals to take a personal responsibility for it. So we, we can't just wait for somebody to tell us to do it, okay? As individual believers, we need to make this our own personal responsibility, discipling. Uh, and and just get started. So that brings us to how we get started. How do we do this? I mean, it's easy for us to talk about it, to talk theoretically about these things, but let's talk about some nuts and bolts on on how we get started. So within the next few weeks, we're going to really get into this a lot more, but I just want to briefly go through a few things here, and I just want to talk about the who, when, and what. So who do we enter into these relationships with? There's no hard and fast rules on this. And uh, I think you just need to ask yourself some questions first. Who do I know here at Christ Community Church? Who have I spent some time with? Who do you think you might best be able to encourage? Uh, What are the greatest needs within the church? Those are some questions that we can ask ourselves. Uh, I think one of the best things you can do is just to simply begin to deliberately work towards establishing relationships with people here at the church. So one of the ways to do that, one of the ways we're, one of the things we're doing this summer is our summer supper club. Uh, that's a great way to get started in that. Uh, being active in, in a community group once we get started in the fall is really, I think, the best way uh, to do that within our church. Um, serving together at Church Under the Bridge Uh, just spending time uh, with people who go to this church. And so uh, I think we just need to be deliberate and intentional about that, forming those relationships. So at the end of the day, there's really no cookbook answer to the question of who. You just need to decide that you want to start meeting up with someone, pray about it. Uh, Oftentimes I feel like if if we pray about it, God really does reveal that to you. 
And uh, so I encourage you to spend some time in sincere prayer about uh, who you should get started with. So when should you meet up with this person? Once you've decided who you're going to spend time with and enter into this relationship with, when do you do it? <clears throat> Again, there's no hard and fast rules on this, okay? It's not like you have to meet at 5.30 a.m. every Monday, all right? Some people, uh, the mornings will be better, okay? It largely depends just on the, the two people's schedule, and you can kind of work that out. Sometimes it's lunch, sometimes it's dinner, sometimes, uh, you know, it's just in the middle of the day. But um, there's no hard and fast rules on that. How often should you meet up? I think, <clears throat> you know, if you can only meet up with someone once every two or three months, that's probably not often enough, okay? It would be really hard to have a sincere discipling relationship where you're uh, edifying each other, holding each other accountable uh, if you're just doing it once every two or three months. So probably at least once a month at a minimum. Uh, once every few weeks would probably be best, and maybe even once a week would be really well if you can swing it. So what? What are you going to talk about? What are you going to do? once you get there, and we've talked uh, a little bit about this, and we're going to get into this more, but I think the important thing is that it's biblical, okay? So it could be uh, spending time in uh, a book of Scripture. It could be spending time in a good biblical Christian book, uh, just spending time discussing that. You could be reading it on your own and discussing it. It could be praying together through our church directory or praying uh, for specific families within our church. Um, there's really a lot of good options. But the thing is, it's your responsibility to choose one. If you need help doing that, I would be happy to help direct direct you to some resources. I know Jared would. There's plenty of people who would be happy to help out with that. Um, but there's some amazing... We live in a time of unbelievable resources. If you think about what the early church had compared to what we have, we really have no excuse. Okay, we have unbelievable resources and material to use. So, uh, I just want to conclude this morning with us just really thinking about uh, and meditating on what a blessing it is to be a part of a local church. It really is an amazing blessing. And, and, it's, and it's an amazing thing to be a part of a local church where we can meet and worship freely, and we need to think about our brothers and sisters who are under severe persecution who can't do that. Be thankful for what we have, but also be praying for those who don't have what we have. Um, living together as a church provides an opportunity to be, to be fruitful in other people's lives. We're surrounded by dozens of people here at Christ Community Church who have committed to seeking your spiritual good. Uh, people who've com who want to serve you, who want to uh, look out for your good. And uh, we also want to allow people to do that for us. So we want to do that for others, but we want to allow others to do that for us as well. So we're pledging to work for the welfare of other members of the church, of, other, of this body. Uh, this should always kind of be on the forefront of our minds, not just to be served, but to serve as well, to serve each other. So, we're not saying that discipling is wrong outside of the church body. I think it's a, it's a great thing. But we're saying that the primary vehicle, the primary focus 
for our discipling relationships really should be within the local church. That's, that's the way that scripture seems to uh, uh, point it out to us and the primary way that God has given us to do that and that this network of believers is really helpful in those relationships. So I just want to close with uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you also are doing. So let's pray. First of all, before we pray, are there any questions or or anything that anybody wants to add to that? Anybody else have anything? Sure, yeah. And I think that's a really good avenue for one-on-one discipleship is through your community groups. You know, that's where a lot of relationships form and we kind of see the needs that we have, the needs for growth within our own lives. And so, you know, I just I just feel like there's a lot. That's a great resource for the who. Who are we going to have this these relationships with? And... Uh, and like I said, you know, a lot of times I think the thing that stops us from doing this is that we think, you know, this is going to be, I have no time. That's, that's probably the biggest thing for most Americans is I don't have time to do it. 
or I don't have the resources or I don't have the knowledge. But that's the great thing about being a part of this church is that uh, there are people who are coming up with these resources like our study guides throughout the week as we study passages. I mean, that's just a wonderful way to say, let's just go over the study guide together, you know, uh, and let, let's spend time doing that. And so I, I just think there's a lot of different ways to do it, but that's a great way, I think, as a church that, that we can do that and just use the resources that we have uh, to get going. And that can help overcome some of the barriers of like, what do we, what do we study? Uh, how am I going to have time to come up with a material to do, to do that with? So I think that's a real blessing because that's not always the case. So that's a real blessing about being a part of this church. So. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So let, let's just pray and we'll move forward. Father, we just thank you for uh, bringing us together. We thank you for this church. We thank you that you have uh, given us a body of believers and that you've uh, just ordained that for your kingdom and uh, that you've called us to live in community and to uh, just know that we can depend on each other and, and that we can uh, serve each other, that you've given us strength to do that, and uh, that we don't have to do it alone, uh, just that you've given us people to walk through this life together with, uh, to grow with, uh, and, and so that's a that's just a beautiful blessing. We, we praise you for that. Help us to just really engage in discipling as a church, uh, really just to decide that we're going to do it. Uh, give us the conviction to do it. Help us to know uh, the context in which we're going to do it in and just make that clear to us and uh, just help us to get started. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.